Well, I have to start this morning by telling you I am the daughter of a seamstress. That means that in the home I grew up in, the lateral file cabinets held bolts of cloth, not documents. And in our three-bedroom house, I shared a room with my sister so that the machines could have a room of their own. I also grew up knowing that if I grew a few inches, I would have new clothes, and that torn and tattered things, whether they were clothes or toys or creative projects, would magically get stitched together if I placed them on my mother's machine. So I know a thing or two about seamstresses. This, for instance, is what happens when a seamstress has grandchildren. (laughs) Three grandchildren, right? That's right. And this is what happens when a seamstress has children who grow up to be ordained ministers, (laughs) right? Even to this day, when I go to visit my parents in their swanky retirement apartment in Houston, Texas, they only had enough room for either a guest room or a sewing room. So you wanna know where I sleep? I sleep on a blow-up mattress besides the machines. (laughs) Yes, I'm the daughter of a seamstress. And that means that today's hidden figure feels like an old familiar friend, like someone that I know like someone I've known for a long time. She's mentioned only once in Scripture in the ninth chapter of Acts, and she's the seamstress of Joppa. As we prepare to hear her story and God's Word, will you join with me in our prayer of illumination? Let us pray. Loving God, by the power of your Spirit, help us to approach your Word. Remind us of those people whose stories we might not always notice. Show us how these hidden figures fit into your larger purpose and help us to hear and understand from their lives how you are calling us to live today. Amen. Now in Joppa, there was a disciple whose name was Tabitha, which in Greek is Dorcas, She was devoted to good works and acts of charity. At that time, she became ill and died. And when they had washed her, they laid her in a room upstairs. And since Lydda was near Joppa, the disciples who heard that Peter was there sent two men to him with the request, please come to us without delay. So Peter got up and went with them, and when he arrived, they took him to the room upstairs. All the widows stood beside him weeping and showing the tunics and other clothing that Dorcas had made while she was with them. Peter put all of them outside. Then he knelt down and he prayed. He turned to the body and said, Tabitha, get up. Then she opened her eyes and seeing Peter, she sat up. He gave her his hand and helped her up. Then calling the saints and the widows, he showed her to be alive. This became known throughout Joppa, and many believed in the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. 
Amen. It's quite a scene, isn't it? A small group of believers gather at the death of a beloved member of the community. Tabitha had died. The leaders of the church are present. The widows who benefited from her service, her handiwork, they are present. And the garments, numerous garments sewn by Tabitha's skillful hands, they are present. Picture it. What do you notice? Maybe you notice the way the community honors Tabitha. They stop everything to wash her and lay her in the upper room. They gather, bringing the garments she created as tangible reminders of her love, her service, her place in their lives. They honor her because, as Acts tells us, she was devoted to good works and acts of charity. Now, you could translate that same phrase from the Greek, her life overflowed with good works and charity, and such an overflowing life deserves honor. Or maybe you notice the way the community grieves Tabitha. In the first century, upon death, it was common to wash and lay a deceased in an upper room, and then you would hire the professional mourners to come in and weep while the burial took place. Well, there are no professional mourners in this scene, are there? Instead, we have the widows. The widows. If you were here last Sunday, you heard Claire remind us that in biblical times, widows were vulnerable. They were marginalized. They lived on the edge of society, and they almost always were dependent upon the charity of others. But in Tabitha, these women found a champion. They found a supporter, a source of help. In Greek, it says these women brought their outer garments or robes and their inner garments or underclothes to show the community. Tabitha had quite literally clothed them from the inside out. Now remember, there was no Walmart or Kohl's in Joppa. These widow owned just one set, maybe two sets of clothing. And it was this clothing that gave them dignity, that allowed them to interact in public spaces. So these were precious, important belongings for these women. And as they stand there with Peter holding them, you can feel the sadness of their loss. You can feel the depth of their love and the dawning realization of all that she was, all that she added to their lives. The strange consciousness that she was still very present with them, as soft and as close to them as their tunics or undergarments, as beautiful and as sturdy and useful as the outer clothing stitched together by her capable giving hands. So they lifted up Tabitha's well-crafted tunics and garments, and they wept. It's quite a scene, a scene of great charity, great honor, and great grief. But friends, I invite you this morning to look a little closer. 
This hidden figure story has more to teach. You see, there's a reason why Tabitha's story is recorded in Acts and so many others were not. There's a reason why Acts recalls her by name, both her Aramaic name and her Greek name, while most women in church history fade into namelessness. You see, Tabitha's death, it tore the fabric of the early church. It quite literally ripped their life apart. And it created for the church a very early crisis, a very early moment of doubt and fear. That's why the disciples sent for Peter, come, come without delay, they said. Notice, did you? They didn't ask for healing. They didn't ask for resurrection. They simply cried out in need, in need of hope and direction and assurance. They need Peter because Tabitha is gone. And Tabitha is more than a supplier of clothing, a doer of good works. No, it's Tabitha, the seamstress of Joppa, who is the one stitching together that community, sowing welcome for those on the margin and tailoring hope that preached the gospel in that town. With Tabitha gone, what was the church to do? What were the widows to do? Her death created a tear, a rip that ruined everything. How could they move forward? What would the future hold? Does that sound familiar to you at all? It does to me. It doesn't take much to look at the world, to look at my life, to look at our lives, and see moments just like the moment our friends in Joppa experienced. Moments when life gets torn, when it gets tattered, when it gets ripped, when we aren't sure we can survive the tear, when things get so shattered that putting the pieces back together seem impossible. Have you been there? A divorce or breakup, a diagnosis, a failure, a horrible mistake, a painful betrayal. Oh, friends, there are so many ways that we can be shattered and torn, aren't there? So many ways to come undone. Personally, as a family, and as a church. So you can hardly blame the disciples of Joppa for calling Peter, come without delay. What are we to do now? You see those beautiful uh, quilts? My mother made one at the birth of each of my children. And as you can imagine, those quilts hardly ever went to bed with one of my children. <laughs> they hung on the wall. They had been carefully heirloomed. They haven't really served the purpose that quilts are supposed to serve to, to keep children warm and comfy. And so my mother, 
being the seamstress that she is, she always made other blankets for my children to use in their beds. And my third child, my daughter Rachel, became incredibly attached to her blanket. Now, my mother would die if she knew I was about to show this to you, okay? (laughs) So with that in mind, this was a simple little double-layer fleece blanket that my mother made, and it started with a tiny little applique in the center. A tiny little applique. If you're a quilter, you probably recognize the applique. And my daughter became incredibly attached to it. She could not nap. She could not sleep without this blanket. And as she would sleep, she would rub her little hand all over the applique. Well, you know what happens when you rub your little hand all over the applique? It would tear it tore over and over again. And every time it would tear, my mother would just put something bigger up (laughs) to cover the tear. So it grew from a tiny little applique to a big old girl with a big old skirt standing on something. I don't even know what this is that she's standing on. And then finally, you can probably see at the very bottom what looks like a brick. Finally, At the end, when she was almost three, it ripped so big. It ripped the blanket open, and my daughter would climb inside of it. It was such a big rip. But like she had done with every other hole, every other tear, every other rip, my mother put that thing, we still don't know what it is, at the bottom to reinforce the tear. And because it was so ugly, I kid you not, at the very, very bottom, she simply wrote the words, Granny loves Rachel, (laughs) to cover up the ugliness. My mother doesn't even know I kept this, but I kept it because it meant so much to my daughter. And here's the deal. Rachel grew up believing that whatever happened to her lovey, whatever hole, whatever rip, whatever tear, it really was going to be okay because she had a seamstress who could stitch it back together, who could make it whole again. To be stitched back together and to be made whole again. Friends, that's what the believers in Joppa needed that day. So Peter put them out of Tabitha's room. He shushed their weeping. He had the garments put away, and he took attention away from the earthly seamstress of Joppa, and he appealed to the only one with the power to stitch our lives, our hopes, and our dreams back into place. It was that day, that great day, that the believers of Joppa learned firsthand of the true seamstress of the universe. That day, it wasn't Tabitha who sewed things back together to build community. It wasn't Tabitha who stitched up the hurting community or who tailored their hope. That day, it was the powerful resurrecting God of Jesus Christ. And it attracted everyone within earsight. 
That day, God's power to put things back together, to build community, to turn mourning into dancing, to make something beautiful of tattered and torn lives, it came into focus for the church for the first time, and that story had to be recorded. It had to be remembered. It had to be celebrated, and we should still be celebrating it today. There's just two things that I want you to remember. Two things that I want you to ponder and consider as we marvel at this hidden figure, the seamstress of Joppa. And the first is this. I began this sermon by saying I am the daughter of a seamstress. And it's true. Patricia Johnstone Eichard has been and always will be a seamstress. But let me remind you In a very real way, we are all sons and daughters of a seamstress, a loving, creating God that Scripture says knits us together and Scripture says binds up the brokenhearted, God who takes the tattered pieces of our lives and our world and sows and sows and sows until the kingdoms of this world begin to look and act like God is in charge. I believe that. I have experienced that. So when my life falls apart, when the church is broken, when justice and righteousness seem frayed and tattered, which is most of the time, I know who to turn to. I know where the power to put things right resides. And friends, so do you. God who created the world and raised Jesus Christ from the dead is still active in this world, still bringing healing to the diseased, hope to those in despair, and life where death seems to reign. Tabitha's story focuses on the God who is still working through God's spirit in the lives of people and in human society to restore a broken world. And God does that stitch by stitch, patch by patch, loving seam by loving seam. Sometimes bringing beauty where we can't see it at all. And there's one last thing. One last thing. God the seamstress, the one who holds us and the world together needs brilliant tools, needs high-quality needle and thread, needs sewing machines and scissors in perfect condition, needs people and churches like Tabitha who overflow in love and service. A friend of mine named Joe Harvard, he's a pastor in North Carolina, puts it this way, Have you met Tabitha? I have known her in every church I've ever served. The saints who are tenacious about practicing faith by serving others. The faithful who pray a simple prayer. Lord, help us help those in need. Tabitha is alive in these. Tabitha is alive in every church I know. Friends, I agree with Joe. Tabitha is alive here, here at WHPC, 
Every time we walk to the margins, every time we serve those in need, every time we care for one another, every time we allow ourselves to be used to stitch together this community of faith and this world so desperately in need of a God of love. Sons and daughters of our seamstress God, who holds us together and makes all things new, may our lives overflow, (laughs) overflow in good work, in love, and in service. And to God, and to God alone, be the glory. And let all God's people say, Amen.